Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Lord, to worship. We're grateful, O oh Lord Jesus, to be able to wake up this morning with the soundness of mind and health of body, Lord, to make our way to the house of the Lord. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, today. God, we need, Lord Jesus, your spirit, God, to do, Lord God, its work, Lord, in this place today. God, I want to be a vessel, God, for your purpose. I want to be a vessel, God, for your use. God, I pray, O oh Lord, speak, Lord God, with clarity, Lord Jesus, God, through these lips. God, to everyone, Lord, under the sound of my voice, God, let your word arise. Enlightenment, God, come from Scripture. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Shake a hand with a neighbor, if you will, before you're seated today. You can even smile at him if you want to. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. Vicarious spirituality. It's in this setting of Scripture, 1 Samuel 16, that with apprehension, Samuel goes to the city of Bethlehem to anoint the next king from among Jesse's sons. He was fearful, Samuel was fearful that Saul might hear word of him going to the house of Jesse and anointing one of those boys and possibly even desire, endeavor, maybe even try, if you will, to kill him. See, this was not the first king that Samuel has ever anointed, although it will be the last king that he anoints. The first time he took a vial of oil or a horn of oil and lifted it above the head of an individual to be king and poured it out, it was King Saul. But this time it is David. Saul anointed Israel's first king, and whenever he did that, whenever he anointed Saul, that was unprecedented because he was the first king. None had ever served as a king for the nation of Israel prior to that time, so it was unprecedented. Samuel had given then clear instruction of the things that would happen to Saul after that he was anointed to be king. He told him of a series of events that would take place. He told him that there would be two men that he would meet and those two men would tell him about his father's donkeys that were found because Saul had been on a search commissioned by his father to try to find a couple of the donkeys of his father. He had been looking high and low, had been unsuccessful. And in the process of looking for them, he had sought out, he had sought out some advice, he had sought out some direction, and that came from Samuel. And in that moment, it was that Samuel anointed Saul. And so Saul is learning from Samuel some things that's going to happen after this anointing. You're going to meet some men. They're going to tell you that your father's donkeys have been found and everything is okay. We know you've been looking for them, but they're found. Samuel told him that there would be three men that he would meet on his journey back to his father's house. And they would have some food and they would have some goats and they would have some drink. And that they would offer him some bread and that he 
should take it. And that happened exactly as Samuel spoke. Samuel told him that he would come in his journey among a group of prophets and that he would meet them. And these prophets would have just come from the high place for worship. And they will have in their hands a psaltery, instrumentation, a tablet, a pipe, and a harp. And that they would prophesy whenever they met. Uh, uh, Saul and that the spirit of the Lord would come upon Saul and the Bible says that Samuel told Saul that he would prophesy then and be turned into another man and so that was everything that he had to look forward to and experience according to the prophet Samuel after that he had been anointed but that day in Saul's life is long gone at our text juncture 40 years or so have expired from that moment until this moment. Saul in his time of reign has refrained from doing some things he should have done. And he has also done some things he should not have done. And as a result the Bible tells us the Lord has rejected him from being king over Israel. And along in our text along with the rejection. The Lord's rejection of Saul. And the Lord's acceptance of David. The Bible says an evil spirit from the Lord came unto Saul to trouble him. It was evident according to the scripture. It was evident to Saul's servants the moment that the evil spirit came upon Saul to trouble him. They noticed that something quite was not right or like it used to have been with Saul. They even suggest unto Saul, Saul, why don't you allow us to make a search across the kingdom and let us find somebody that is a cunning player, amen, upon the harp to charm away, if you will, this evil spirit that is bothering you that is troubling you that is upon you and Saul liking what he heard amen told them and agreed with them that they could find a cunning player of music of a harp if you will that if they could play well then bring them to him could someone say amen music has a long time been considered a very strong medium by psychologists and what's known as musicologists for historically affecting the emotions or the moods of people. Some of them even reference our text that I read to you this morning as the only example in the Bible of the healing power of music in Scripture. They highlight that indeed relief came to Saul when David played on the harp or the lyre that he had in his hand. In in antiquity and history, Pythagoras was said to substantially affect the souls of people by music, by diatonic and chromatic and inharmonic tunes that he would play. It would affect the souls of people. There was a Greek physician that used music to brighten up depressive patients that had that particular type of mental illness back in the early B.C. period of our world. In the ninth century, music took a very strong position in medicine of the Arabic world uh, the musician was an assisting professional alongside the physician and some have supposed that music could be used to help cure disease and maintain physical health and delay even the aging process some of us need to listen to some more music 
Amen. In 1745, medicine professor E.A. Nikolai of Gene University observed that when one hears music, their hair stands on end. The blood is withdrawn from the surface of the skin. The outer parts of the body begin to cool. The heart beats faster and one breathes somewhat slower and more deeply than when they first, before they first started listening to the music. A French psychiatrist, J.E.D. Esquire, said that the effect of music was transient, meaning it's temporary. It disappeared when the music ended. And that's what our dear character in Scripture experienced Saul. Because at several different intervals, David would have to come in and play his music and play his harp. He would come into the presence of Saul and on his harp he would begin to play until the Bible says that Saul was refreshed and that the evil spirit or presence would depart from him. But it's interesting today to note this, that Saul did not have no presence problem, amen, with the evil spirit from the Lord, amen, prior to his rejection from God. More specifically, it's interesting to note that the evil spirit from the Lord had not been a problem prior to Samuel anointing David. It's interesting today to point out in Scripture that when Samuel anointed David as king in the midst of his brothers, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That was not uncommon. That was not uncommon even to Saul being anointed when he became king. Whenever Samuel anointed Saul, evidently the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him back some 40 years ago as well. Samuel had told Saul everything that he would expect Amen. In his journey back home, that I already relate to you. But he also said this in 1 Samuel 10 and 7 to Saul. He said, let it be when these signs are coming to thee, that thou do as the occasion serve thee. For God is with thee. He wasn't saying God is with thee as words to pacify the newly anointed king. He was telling him that God will be with you, but God is with you. Something came upon Saul the moment that he was anointed as well. Meaning Saul, when you were anointed, God appointed himself to you as well. Can someone say amen? And so here's David now. He's being anointed for a kingly row in kingship. And David is anointed and the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And then know what the Bible says. That in the same moment that the spirit of the Lord came upon David, it departed from Saul. It says the spirit of the Lord came upon David. Verse 14 says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. It's almost like the spirit of a kingly anointing that had been on Saul was transferred to David, his successor, in the moment that he was anointed, leaving Saul with nothing more than an evil spirit now from the Lord to trouble him. Can someone say amen? Oh, just work with me here a little bit. Before David, note now, whenever David comes into the presence of Saul and he's beckoned, if you will, to be his musician, he's beckoned to be the player of music in his presence, David came into the presence of Saul the first time, not striking a note, not playing the harp, and before David ever played in the presence of Saul, the Bible says that Saul loved him 
greatly. Before any music was played, Saul loved David greatly. I mean, one of the servants of Saul, he even lists a portfolio. All the good characteristics of David, and it's pretty impressive in verse 18. He tells him that David is a cunning player. Saul's no doubt thinking that's exactly what I wanted. He is a cunning player. He goes on to say, David's a mighty, valiant man. He's a man of war. He's prudent in matters. He's a comely person. He's good to look at. Man, you want someone like that. You know, in your entourage of the kingdom. These are all great attributes. No doubt what's not to love in David. And even almost like a postscript, we read that the Bible says that eventually that Saul will make David his armor bearer. Man, I mean, there's no greater trust then between a king and his armor bearer. So Saul enjoys evidently the company of this man. He likes having David around. Amen. He has the utmost confidence in him. Can someone say amen? But this morning, I do not refute today that there is power in music. We've already seen that because there is. Amen. Music is very powerful. Music, for that matter, is very spiritual. And indeed, according to the word of God, David is a cunning player upon the harp. Amen. And indeed, Saul was refreshed when he played in his presence. But I can't help believing today that Saul was refreshed more by David's presence than he was the actual harp music because what Saul gained when David was in his presence playing his harp was the spirit of the Lord that was upon David What Saul gained in his presence was the spirit of the Lord that was upon David. Whenever David walked into the room, God was with David. God walked into that room. Whenever David walked into that room with his harp to play some musical notes, the thing that used to rest upon Saul now rested upon David. Whenever David entered that room, Saul had come back in his presence what once was in his presence. Whenever, oh yes, whenever David began to play those chords, no doubt they were soothing within themselves, but there was a greater variable there and it was the presence of the almighty God that used to be upon the life of Saul that entered that room someone say amen Hallelujah. And so with that happening, with that happening, the thing that had departed from Saul shows back up when David enters the presence of Saul because the spirit of the Lord now is upon David. Someone say amen. And so having David around, having David serving in his court, having David stand there that first day without ever playing music and already loving him. I believe Saul was loving what he used to have that was on David's life in that moment. In so much, listen to me now, he loved having David around because having David around, amen, Saul could have the feeling of the Lord's Spirit without possessing it himself. Whenever David walked in, there's the Spirit. Man, I I know what that feels like. That used to be upon my life. I know what that feels like. I love how that feels. But it's great that it's on David because I can have it without any obligation. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If I could say today, Saul had succumbed to vicarious spirituality. He felt and joyed through, imagine, amen, participation, the experience of another. In other words, he experienced indirectly. 
what he used to experience directly. Oh yes, he knew what it felt like to have the spirit of the Lord upon him. He knew what it felt like to be commissioned by God. He knew what it felt like for the oil to touch his brow and the spirit of the Lord to come upon him and to be obedient to the word of the Lord and to be obedient to the word of the prophet. But what he's feeling in this moment is I don't have to be obedient. I don't have no obligation, but I can still feel the presence of what used to be. And I'm just living indirectly through another man's experience, through another man's consecration for another man someone say amen if I say it this way today Saul was enamored with the benefit of the Lord's presence without the responsibility of bearing the burden of it himself vicarious spirituality vicarious spirituality Love the benefit of feeling it. Love the benefit of it sweeping over me. But not having no responsibility to bear the burden of it. Not having to worry about any obedience myself. See, the very thing that got Saul where he was, rejected from God without the spirit of the Lord, is that he disobeyed the word of the Lord. He disobeyed utterly taking out the Amalekites when God said take them out. He saved Agad the king and he saved some of the choice sacrifices thinking that was going to get the good mind of God because these are some of the best animals and we're going to bring them before the Lord. Amen. But in all that he was disobedient and God says I'd rather have obedience any day than sacrifice. Rather have obedience any day than sacrifice. And so here is Saul. He had everything concerning God in his life as a king but whenever that spirit left he has a troubling spirit upon him and the only way he could see that he could have the feeling of the presence of the Lord and still be disobedient is to get somebody that had his presence in his midst. Someone say amen. Didn't require anything of Saul. Didn't require any work of Saul. Didn't make no demands of Saul. All he had to do in the moment that he wanted it call for David Call for David. Have him come in here, play his harp. But more so even than David. David could have went in there and never played the harp. And Saul would have had the same refreshment. And the same evil spirit would have departed. Because it wasn't just all capsulated in the music. It was capsulated in the spirit behind the music. Which was the spirit that was upon David as the new king. Just call for David. Have him come in here. Because when David comes in, the spirit of the Lord's coming in. And it's dispelling every other spirit that's unlike it. The Spirit of the Lord comes in and it's bringing peace where there's chaos. The Spirit of the Lord is coming in and it's bringing refreshment where there's dry, parsed, if you will, unengaged things. It's coming in and it's doing the work. The very thing that caused Saul to love David before he ever struck a string on the harp is the very thing, amen, that brought him refreshment every time David walked into his presence. It wasn't because David had some grand ability, although he did. It wasn't because David was good looking and comely, although he was. It wasn't so much his warring abilities or his prudent ways. But it's the last item in the list in verse number 18 that the servant said David had. The Lord is with him. He could have not have been a good warrior, not been comely, and not been a good player. And the effect would have been the same because God was with David. 
Someone say amen. Folks, what I'm illustrating to you today is no different than other places of Scripture. Just as the Bible spoke of Laban, who learned Jacob was on the verge of leaving his uncle's Laban. Amen. To return back to his home, back to his country. And Laban said, no, 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 Jacob. Don't leave. I know we got Rachel now and you got Leah now, but don't leave at this moment. Because Laban said this in Genesis 30. He says, I've learned something. Since you've been around for these several years, I've learned something. That the Lord blesses me because of you. Whenever you first came, I had a little splattering, if you will, of cattle and livestock. He says, but over these 14 years that you've been around, he said, they have grown by the multitudes. He said, don't leave because I've been blessed because of you. He didn't say, I've been blessed because of me. He says, I've been blessed because of you. And he was fearful. If you go, the blessing is going to go. If you go, the enumeration of my cattle and my sheep is going to go. If... In other words, he was living, amen, vicariously, a vicarious spirituality, a vicarious blessing. He was experiencing indirectly what somebody else was getting. He was getting the blessing of Jacob because Jacob was in his midst and in his presence. That's not the only place. You read through the book of Genesis concerning the life of Joseph. You know why Potiphar wanted to keep Joseph around as a, as a headmaster slave in his house? Although his wife was vying for his attention because the Bible says Potiphar understood. He said, since you've shown up, Joseph, I'm blessed in the house and I'm blessed in the field. I've never had it like I've had it until you showed up. But since you showed up, I'm blessed in the house and I'm blessed in the field. Why? The Bible Bible says God was with Joseph in the pit, in the prison, incarceration, and God blesses, and God moves, and God does, and he says, whoever you're around, there's going to be a spillover effect of that upon their life. But each of these, Sister Margaret, Laban or Potiphar, let's just, let me keep what's bringing the blessing. And I'll try not, I don't have to get in a position to be blessed myself. If I can just keep what seems to be the tunnel, the conduit for the blessing. Because see, I'm getting blessing based upon Joseph's faithfulness. I'm getting increased livestock based upon, if you will, Jacob and now this turning around of a birthright upon his life and a blessing <laughs> vicariously, indirectly, getting the experience of another. Someone say amen. Folks, it's the same reason. <clears throat> For the same reason, people fall in love with the church. For the same reason, people at least are infatuated with the church. Because they can go to church, perhaps even disregard the commandments of God. They can sit in the service, and they can rub shoulders with a few Davids. Music plays, preaching is preached, they leave refreshed. Because they are living vicariously spiritually. For all those that are gathered there and did pray that week. For all those that gathered there 
and did fast that week. To all those that gathered there and did worship that week. To all those that gathered there and kept their time of devotion that week. I can enter in maybe with a group like that. Just like Saul getting among the prophets and prophesied. I didn't do anything. I didn't keep no commandments. But I just got in the overflow of where someone had. And I live vicariously. I'm indirectly affected and experiencing what somebody else has created. What somebody else had been faithful to. So if I get in that type of mindset, I want to love just to get there. Amen. Why? Because I know I'm going to get something because of their sake. I'm going to, I'm going to get something because of, of their sake. And the music's going to play and the preaching's going to happen. I'm going to be soothed and, and I'm going to be refreshed. But the problem of the matter is this, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. That is only temporal. Amen. David had to keep coming back. And yeah, we got to be faithful to the house of God, all that. But the reason why Saul kept having David come back, because the evil spirit would reappear. Those ill feelings would come upon him again. And he felt void. He felt vacant. He felt lost because he didn't have that constantly in his life. The difference between the David and the Saul's is Saul needs a David to feel the presence of God and all David needs is God to feel the presence of God. He don't have to have a mediator. He don't have to have something intermediate. But the thing is Saul had had that before. To be in a place to be able to feel the presence of the Lord without possessing the spirit of the Lord. Benefit from it. Without bearing the responsibility of it. Let's think here for a moment. I know what Sunday morning means prior to the noon hour. But if you think it is enjoyable to feel the indirect experience of another, how much do you think enjoying would be to possess the experience for yourself? If you think it's something to sit down in a pew by somebody that's a worshiper, and as they clap and raise their hands, you start saying, Phew, I feel something. Or those singers to sing, and I'm like, hmm, I feel something. If you think that's grand... What if the spirit of all of that wasn't around you or on you, but was in you? Some people, though, that's just addicted with the indirect experience of another. I'm here to try to throw back the curtain today. You don't have to live your life living off somebody else's fire. You can get a fire in your spirit this morning. You can have an experience with God for yourself today. You don't have to live a vicarious life spiritually. I mean, hands down, let me get a little drink here. They've had me on the volleyball court two days in a row. And I'm dehydrated. Not much. It's enjoyable, I'll admit to you. Anybody would say so, I would believe. But it's enjoyable to show up at a place, be catered to, be fed for that matter. In a pleasant atmosphere and surroundings that has been set up, put together, and arranged before I ever showed up. 
to walk in, be at a table. Someone say, what would you like? How can I do for you? What would you like to drink? That is awesome. That's awesome. I enjoy that. But imagine today. Imagine today. Because I benefit from those type of settings. Don't misunderstand. But imagine. And I'll tell you this because I've been on both sides of the, of the seesaw. There isn't anything more meaningful than having put in the time, the effort, the work, the hours to arrange everything. To make sure everything is in place that has been envisioned. Sat down and eat the same meal that those that didn't have a hand in the work. And eat the same meal, enjoy the same atmosphere, but had the satisfaction in knowing I was a part of the arranging of all. Not that it all depended upon me, but I was part responsible. In the bringing all this together. See in Exodus 39 and verse 32. I'm trying to hurry today. Exodus 39 and verse 32. Look what the word of the Lord says. This is the time whenever God has commissioned Moses to uh, construct the tabernacle and have those that are under his care and watch. Uh, superiors, supervisors, workers to, to put together the tabernacle and the articles of the furniture, the structure, all these things. The Bible says in Exodus 39, this is toward the end of that grand, grand operation. The Bible says, verse 39, verse 32, thus was all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation finished. And the children of Israel did according to all the Lord commanded Moses. So did they. In other words, this, this is inspection day all right Moses had given the direction to the children of Israel per God this is how that's to be made that's the material that's supposed to be made with those are the dimensions of it this is how you should fashion it they have done all the work and now they're bringing everything that they have made and parading it before Moses so he can inspect quality control if you will make sure everything has been made according to the specifications and so the children of Israel brought all the pieces of the tabernacle Moses is looking at each thing piece by piece amen whether it was a, a furnishing a, a piece of furniture that belonged Alone in the ark, or whether it was the structure uh, of the tabernacle, Moses instructed it all. And verse 43 says, And Moses did look upon all the work, and behold, they have done it as the Lord had commanded. Right to specification. Even so had they done it, and Moses blessed them. Everything had been done as it had been prescribed by God. And it was all of them participating, taking their part and doing everything as God asked of them that brought about the visitation that was to follow. Remember, God first told them from the beginning. He said, make me a sanctuary, which means a consecrated place. Make me a consecrated place that I may dwell. Among you. So with every tool that they lifted. Making everything they made. According to the prescription of God. They were consecrating these things into the Lord. According to his specifications. And Moses checks them all against God's specs. That was given to him on the mount of God. And everything was checking out. 
Hallelujah. The golden altar looks good. Table of shoe bread, good. Cherubim's good. The blue, amen, the linen, the cherubim's on the curtains, all good. Sockets of silver, great guys. He's going through everything. It's all looking good. Everything's looking as though, just like God had instructed it, they've been obedient to it. And then in Exodus 40, God instructs Moses how to set up all the items and when to do it. So now everything's good. Everything's made the way it's supposed to. Now, Moses, this is how you set everything up. And this is when I want you to do it. And Moses followed the Lord again in that matter. And the Bible says in Exodus 40, verse 33, And he reared up the court, round about the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. The children of Israel finished the work of the material and the building of things. Moses finished the work of arranging them, setting it up at the prescribed time. And verse 34, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the house. If I can say it like this, the Spirit of the Lord came on that place. But what led up to the Spirit of the Lord coming upon it was a spirit of obedience that was found in the children of Israel, doing it according to God as specified. was a spirit of obedience that was upon Moses, arranging everything and doing it when God specified. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon that house. Let me tell you this, that had it not been to specification, had it not been when, had it not been in full obedience to the way God has prescribed, there would have been no spirit Coming upon the tabernacle. It would have been as different as day from night. It would have been as different, if you will, as David from Saul. Can I tell you? That there were people that have skirted, if you will, around that tabernacle after it was set up. That experienced an overflow of the presence that was there that never lifted a tool to make any of the furnishings. Because they suited to live their life, if you will, vicariously, indirect experience of somebody else. So listen, the intervals that David entered into the presence of Saul would leave him with a temporary moment of refreshing. But David would leave maintaining his experience of his initial anointing from Samuel through obedience. Saul has moments of God's presence and David has a life that's filled with God's presence. Oh God. Here's the awesome thing. And I love everybody that's sitting around me today. But I don't have to get here in order to get him. I have him here. And so in my daily walk, just a simple cry out to him. I don't have to call for the members of the church. I can just call out to him because he's already upon me and in me. But conversely, some are just like, if Sunday we'll just get here. If, if Wednesday we'll just get here because they have to have the atmosphere of you and the presence of the Lord upon your lives, it seems. Oh, someone say amen. Listen to me, I, I won't hold you much longer, but long enough. Amen. Somewhere along the way, listen to me. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't enough. Everybody say, it wasn't enough. 
somewhere along the way, it wasn't enough for David to play the harp in the presence of Saul. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't enough for David just to be in the presence of Saul. Because you know what that started to happen over time? Saul recognized that what was on David's life was something that had one time been on his life. That what David had, he used to have. What David experienced every day of his life, he's experiencing now only when David shows up. And the very thing that used to soothe him now is agitating him when David shows up. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 18 and verse 10, and it came to pass, another occurrence, on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Here it is again. And he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David, here he is, played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin. For he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And it's almost, you know, the setting is almost being remade all these times in Saul's life. You know, a guy shows up that has the spirit of the Lord on him, just like the prophets did after his first anointing. David shows up with his harp. The prophets had showed up with their harps, tablets, and psaltery. They play and prophesy. All this taking place. Here's Saul, a man with from God with a harp playing. There's prophecy taking place. Prophecy taking place. It's like the setting has almost been mimicked here. But the Lord's spirit is not coming upon Saul. It's upon David. A man with the spirit is playing the harp. Saul, the Bible says, is prophesying. But what he's finding in this moment now, he can't get the relief that he used to get when David showed up. He can't get the refreshment that used to come when David showed up. Had the spirit of the Lord changed? No. But Saul has changed. Saul has changed. Saul, if you will, has slipped a little further away from where his anointing had once been. Saul has got a little further distant bishop with his rejection and not keeping the commandments of God. He's further than his place of origin. See, when he wasn't too far off, David just had to be in his presence and he could feel the overflow of that. But after a period of time of, if you will, floating further and further away from his point of origin, even David being in his presence doesn't have the same effect. And really there's just envy and bitterness coming upon Saul. And he is just despising the fact that David has something on his life that he used to have upon his. He's finding no relief. He's finding no refreshment. He doesn't just have a problem with the spirit of the Lord that's on David, but he's having a problem with David. Because used to Saul at one time had been enticed by the spirit of the Lord But now he's being intimidated by the spirit of the Lord And who it is upon Note what the Bible says 1 Samuel 18 and verse number 12 And Saul was afraid of David He comes in the first time He greatly loves this man He makes him his armor bearer All this stuff But now He's afraid. Of, why? Because something's happening here. That used to be mine. 
that used to be upon me. Rather than, if you will, vie for it, position himself for it, he's rather attacking really what he wishes he still had. He's afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Didn't have to do with his heart playing. Didn't have to do with his comelings, his warring abilities. Because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. See, at this stage of the game in Saul's life, David isn't a facilitator of the presence of the Lord for Saul. At this stage of the game in Saul's life, David to Saul is nothing but a hated reminder of what he, Saul, had forfeited through his own disobedience. Church family people today, listen to me well, that you can and we can only reap the benefits of the Lord so long until we must become an obedient laborer of his responsibility. Many times, even through the scriptures, people don't have to have any type of relationship with God, but the Lord allows his spirit to move upon them. What is that? That's grace and mercy to woo them to him. But when we live in a perpetual state of his wooing, and there is no drawing or walking of ourselves to him, Somewhere along the way, you can't always be given the free out of jail card. Because if that's the case, we would just make the blanket statement, everybody's saved, everybody's going to heaven, it's going to be your home someday. But let me tell you, according to the word of the Lord, that is not true. That's a myth. We need the Lord in our life, not just around our life. Or a setting where his presence is where I can, if you will, skim off the overflow of what's happening there. Was, was not Esau in the Old Testament disappointed when he went in before his father vying for the blessing of the firstborn? Huh? And he said, I thought you was already in here, Esau. Ari gave it, you know, to another. Well, don't you just even have one blessing for him? He's real turmoil in the spirit. Now, I'll give you what I can give it. It wasn't much. And we say, oh, yeah, but Jacob stole it from him. Not in reality, folks, is this. Whenever Esau sold his birthright for the food, he forfeited the blessing because the blessing was tied to the birthright. But what Esau was in the position of wanting was this. I want the blessing and not have to deal with the responsibility. Because firstborn birthright meant dad dies, you're responsible for the family. It had some weighty responsibilities. But Esau says, I'm here standing in line for blessing, father. He said, you gave up the blessing when you gave up the responsibility. You gave up the blessing whenever you gave up the faithfulness. You get. Someone say amen. And so David gives a very moving lament. And you can stand with me. I'll, I'll, you know. 
David gave a very moving lament in 2 Samuel 1. Following the deaths of both Saul and particularly Jonathan in, in David's mind that he's looking at. There was others, Malchishua and some other sons of Saul that lost their lives on Mount Gilboa. But David is honing in on 2 Samuel chapter 1. The, the deaths and the loss of life of Saul and his son Jonathan upon Mount Gilboa. And this is what David says in his lament. Very moving. Very moving. 2 Samuel 1 and verse 21. He says, ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away. The shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed. With oil. David is saying that it's just horrible because how have the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war, he says, perish. He says, here it is that the shield is vilely cast away, notably the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. You know what David is saying? David is saying, here lies a man. And his shield vilely cast away as though he's not been anointed with oil. In other words, in essence, here lies a man as though God has never been with him. As though he was never anointed. He had the Spirit of the Lord come upon him. He says, but at this position, Saul's life, he's lying here as a man that's never even been anointed. A man that's never, lying here as though a man that's never had God with him. As though this, he's lying here, as though the Spirit of the Lord never come upon him in his life. He's lying here as a man that's never, as though he never experienced God for himself. I say it like this here, here, here lies a man who grew satisfied and even then discontent to live on the fringe. Of somebody else's experience with God. Here's a man that died living vicariously, spiritually. He had known what it was all about. He felt that same oil on his head that David had felt upon his. He experienced the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him at different episodes and times. But he traded for having the indirect experience of another than having the experience for himself. Now listen to me. The indirect experience of another will not make heaven your home someday. You gotta have the experience for yourself. The indirect experience of another will not have the well done thy good faithful servant enter into the joys of the Lord spoken in your life. You must have the experience for yourself. So I stand here today. We bow our heads in this place. I stand here today and I tell you that are sitting here today, standing here today, if you've ever known the Lord, you can experience Him again for yourself. And if you've never known the Lord, but you like what you feel when you show up at church, and you like what you feel when you're around those that are otherwise spiritually inclined. 
Let me tell you something. Please do not. Do not settle for being intoxicated with the feelings that you feel when you are here around others that are spiritually inclined. Please do not. Let the Spirit of the Lord come unto you. We believe one Lord and one faith and one baptism, one Father and God who is with you all, through you all, and in you all. John said, Jesus spoke in the book of John and said, He that dwelleth with you shall be in you. He was speaking of Pentecost. He was speaking of the birth of the church in Acts 2. That spirit had been with them all along the way. He said, but there's a change of dispensation right here. That which was with you shall be in you. There's people sitting in the sound of my voice this morning that need the spirit of the Lord to come in you. To come into your life. Into your heart. Do not grow satisfied with the spillover effect, if you will, of those around you. You need to know him for yourself. And he to know you directly hallelujah not indirectly but directly don't live a vicarious spiritual life not vicarious spiritually there's somebody here that in their soul they're like I want to know him for myself brother McGee I want that spirit of the Lord in my life I want it in my life I just don't want to feel it whenever they begin to play and feel something come over me because someone next to me seems to be getting excited or something's going on in them and I feel no 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 you want to leave this building and when you meet your trials beyond this door you still feel it because he's in you he's with you you don't want to have to wait for Sunday morning to come you don't have to wait for Wednesday night Bible study no you need the spirit of God in you you need that spirit thriving in you the Bible says if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelleth in you it'll quicken your mortal body not just on resurrection day but any day in your life there can be a quickening if you have that spirit in you these altars are open today they're going to sing and play they're going to sing and play Hallelujah. These altars are open. You need the Spirit of God today in your life. You need the Spirit of God today in your life. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the baptism of His Spirit. You don't just need that to come on you. You need that to come in you. It needs to be Christ in you, the hope of glory, as the Apostle said. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with asking that Spirit inside of you today nothing wrong with receiving that today we all want that road we all need that it doesn't matter who we are we need the spirit of the Lord in our life today we need the spirit of the Lord in our life thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.